Good morning. We're the Paris family, and we're very excited to be here. As you saw on the video, we have four kids. We did not make them come on stage with us today because they get to be in children's church and Sunday school, and we don't have any children's programs on our island. So they, they are very thankful to be in this wonderful program. But we serve in Vanuatu, like the video says. I'm so glad that you guys got to see a little bit of where we live. Um, we're excited to get back to our village. We'll be going back next week. We were just there a week ago, so it feels a little odd to be in such a big building, <laughs> but we are so excited. And God called us out of our lives, and we surrendered to our call, and he brought us to this place, and our hearts are on fire to reach these communities and these unreached peoples, people groups that live out in these jungles. And my husband is going to share a few testimonies of some amazing things that God has done during our last four years in Vanuatu. And I want to encourage you guys. As you hear these testimonies, yes, rejoice of the power of God and the mighty things he's doing, but these aren't just our testimonies. These are our testimonies. When you send missionaries, when you support missionaries, when you pray for missionaries, we are doing this together. We are a team. So when you hear these testimonies, rejoice at what God is doing. Amen. Praise God. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Awesome. I told this was the group that gets excited, so I'm glad for that response. Uh, <laughs> that's good. I'm excited. So uh, last group was pretty excited, so you guys are going to have to amp it up a little bit. Uh, but I want to give you perspective. My wife was talking about our village life, and she, you know, she kind of painted this romantic picture. Well, when we left our village, our house had a few issues. Guys, how, how many people have to have those honeydew lists? Anybody? Okay. I, my wife gave me a honeydew list. She said, before we go back... I want you to fix those places in the roof where you can see the sunshine when you're sitting in the living room. I said, okay. She said, another thing, you know how our toilet doesn't flush? Can you fix that? I said, uh, yeah, I can do that. You know how it's tilted to the side because it's cemented at an angle? Maybe you could just sledgehammer it out and put it in a new one. Uh, okay, so I had this list. So I went back ahead of time without the family because I wanted to get the house ready again. I arrived back in the village. My village family is excited to see me. I'm excited to see them. Uh, I open the gate to uh, our, where our house is, and our dog comes running up. Her name is Sushi. We named her that, yes. We think it's a cute name, too. We named her that before we realized dog was on the menu. Uh, and she comes running up, and she looks at me, and uh, she's like, man, you didn't forget me. And I'm looking at her like, man, you're still alive. I'm so glad. Uh, and uh, we go to the front door, and I open the front door, and it's like the entire floor is moving. There are rats everywhere. I quickly close the door and I step back and I look at Sushi and she looks at me and she's got this look on her face like, yep, it's bad. <laughs> I, pray, I pray a quick prayer and I'm like, I'm a grown man, I can handle this. And I throw the door open and Sushi and I go running in and we are opening windows. Rats are everywhere. I mean, when I say they're everywhere, there was not a single piece of furniture or tile or anything that they had not been on. And the word my wife says I have to use is left their yucky stuff everywhere. Uh, in fact, I opened the oven after I'd gotten the house clean thinking, okay, this is fine because I cleaned the surface of the oven off. They ate through the bottom and made a nest. It's amazing what they can do. So the next thing I thought is I need to plug the refrigerator back in. I go back to the refrigerator and it's closed so I know they're not in there. Two of them got in but did not find their way out. 
So they died in there. Uh, and yeah, that was really exciting. So I enlisted the help of some of my uh, village family. We cleaned the house as much as we could together. And by 10 o'clock that night, the sound of the rats, I hadn't seen them in a while. I could just kind of hear them and mostly up in the roof. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'm tired. I'm jet lagging because I've been on planes for the last two and a half days and I need to sleep. But I made sure that Sushi stayed inside with me. In fact, I was like, you can get on the bed with me. Uh, and she gets up on the bed and sits down and I can hear the rats, but I'm like, it's okay, I can handle this. And I take a deep breath, close my eyes, and two rats run across my stomach. <laughs> I jump up, it's on now, and uh, I turn every light on in the house, all five of them, and I run and grab this, uh, this little stick that was in the corner that my son had saved, and I'm running around trying to smash these rats. If you've ever chased a rat, you know they are far better at getting away than you are. So after about 20 minutes, totally exhausted and sweaty, I'm leaning up against the doorpost, looking out into the yard. And it's cold season. You know, it's like 75 degrees at night, so there's fires everywhere, and people in the village are huddled around the fires. And as I'm looking out, I see this small cat next to a fire. And by the way, we used to have quite a few cats when we left. Unfortunately, they did not make the cut. Sushi did, and I'm very thankful. Uh, but I came outside, and... Um, I picked this small cat up and honestly, I was thinking, I was thinking, I just want to keep this cat warm and I'm just really glad to see this cat and I like cats and so I bring the cat in and I'm petting it, it's purring, it's small, just a little tiny thing. And then all of a sudden, the cat's eyes just dilate. If you have a cat, you know what I'm talking about. And it just goes tense. And that cat, would you know, within three minutes, it had killed both of those rats and it drug them under the bed and it was munching the bones of the rats and I'm praising God for these dead rats, so. <laughs> That's a little perspective, uh, and there's a little excitement. But uh, to give you guys background, this didn't, we just didn't just jump on a plane and go there. It had to start at a send me moment. In fact, my send me moment was in 2009. I was working for corporate America, and I had a great plan. I worked many, many hours, and I was doing very well, and I had it all mapped out. I was going to make enough money that we could fund our own ministry and do these things. And please understand, God has called people in this very room to succeed at business to fund ministry. But I had never prayed during that season of my life, specifically, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I prayed continually. I prayed, God, bless me. God, direct me. God, I need your help. God, show me what to do. But never once did I truly surrender. Well, in 2009... At two o'clock in the morning, I surrendered. And I wanna tell you, there are people in this room today that you're frustrated. You've shown up here, you said, I'm going to church, I'm doing all these things, I feel like I'm doing the right things, but you're not experiencing God's peace and you feel broken. You're not too late. The second you surrender, you're right on time. God will use you. He has gone before you. When I surrendered, I felt like I was floating through the ceiling. God's peace came running in. The weight of my pride, of my ego, of my plans fell off my shoulders. And God just filled me with this sense of excitement that I knew that whatever he would tell me to do, could po it would be better than anything I could possibly put together. I went running into the bedroom where my wife was sleeping. I woke her up at like 2.30 in the morning, and you don't do that with a nursing mother. Uh, and I said... I said, honey, you'll never guess what happened. I just surrendered to full-time ministry. We're supposed to be in full-time ministry. And she started crying, and she said, I've known that for a while. I've just been waiting for God to tell you. Amen. And then this started a season where my wife and I were seeking God together. So that was 2009, and God made it very clear what we were supposed to do and where we were supposed to go during that season. 
I had to go through a season of preparation. Then fast forward to 2015, we finally land in the nation of Vanuatu. Our leadership said, before we send you down to Tana, to the island that is still very tribal, we want you to live up north where there's a little more infrastructure, where there's some experienced missionaries that you can live with and learn from them. So we were living and learning from them, and all the while anxious to get down to Tana. And one day my mentor comes to me about six months into living there, and he says, okay, I've got a trip planned. I want to take you down to Tana. I want to introduce you to some people, and hopefully we'll find a house for you guys to live in, uh, and it's going to be great. I said, okay, good. Do, do I need to take my wife uh, and kids? They said, no, 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 no. This will just be a meet and greet. Just be real quick. I said, okay. So we jumped on this plane and took two planes down to the island of Tana, and from the time we arrived in Tana, I realized things were a bit different. Uh, the airport terminal is is about the size of the center part of this platform, and there's a big hole in the wall back here, uh, and as you come off the tarmac into the terminal, your luggage starts flying through the hole. It's the advanced baggage claim. You see, there's a guy out there that's just throwing it in. Uh, and so I went and picked up my suitcase and turned around and came face to face with this big man that had his hand outstretched and a big smile on his face. I grabbed his hand and he pulled me close. And remember, my story of surrender started in 2009, and now it's 2015. He pulled me close and he said, are you missionary Sam? I said, yes. He said, every day since 2009, we've been praying and asking God to send us a missionary. And now you're here. Immediately, immediately I was praising God, but also at the same time, totally overwhelmed. Like this guy's been praying for me and now we're here. I don't want to let this guy down. You know, does he know that I have bad breath in the morning? You know, just kind of felt like, man, the pressure's on. And uh, then we went outside and he said, okay, here's the truck we want to ride in. I said, okay, that's great. He says, hop in the back with me. And when he means hop in the back, he means get in the truck bed. So we both jump in the back of the truck bed. And you know how if a truck bed's a little worn out and you put any weight in it, it starts to separate from the cab? Well, we're both big guys and we step in back. We're holding on to the roll bar and it's starting to really lean. And I'm thinking, man, this truck is... This is in rough, rough shape. And then I look around at the other two trucks at the airport, and I realize, man, this truck is really nice. <laughs> and then we start down the interstate, and the interstate would be like your I-4. It's our main road. At this time, it had not been improved at all, and the potholes are so deep on the road that when we go down in them, my head, as I'm standing it back, becomes level with the road. And we're going down this road, and we're passing village after village, and the kids are coming out, and you can hear them saying, missionary, missionary, have me stop, come. They're saying, the missionary's here, the missionary's here. And as I look over, Pastor Stephen, that's the man who shook my hand, he's standing there with his hand on the roll bar and he's pointing at me with this big smile on his face. You see, word had spread. It's a, it's a small island, there's only about 40,000 people on the whole island, so it was big news that I was there. So the first three days were awesome. Met people, uh, got to go on uh, House Hunters International. They showed me, uh, not really, but they showed me uh, these houses that had bamboo on the sides and then crushed coral floor and dirt floor. And I said, do you have anything with cement? They said, yes, we do. And they showed me this community house that had been built. It was just 20 feet by 23 feet, so about 480 square feet. And they said, this is the only house on this side that didn't fall over in the cyclone in 2014. I said, we'll take it. Uh, it didn't have a restroom, didn't have a kitchen, but I knew we could fix those things up. So that was the end of the third day. And I was breathing a sigh of relief as I was relaxing in the hut. And I just want to encourage you because I was praying there, thank you, God, that you're stretching me. If you're in a place that you're uncomfortable right now, praise God for it because you have to be dependent upon your heavenly Father when you're uncomfortable. Amen? Amen. It, it, sometimes we don't want to praise God in those times, but 
God wants to use you and he's got a plan for you. And so I was having that moment where I was praising God and there came a knock at the door. <laughs> About to get stretched some more. Someone said, hey, is the missionary there? I opened it, I said, yes. He said, missionary, we wanna have service in about 30 minutes and we want you to preach. I thought, okay, I can do this, I'm a missionary, I need to be ready to preach. So I got my iPad out and the pressure's on because I just met this guy that said he'd met, he's been praying for me since 2009 and I'm still learning the language. So I'm putting together as best I can this sermon. Pretty soon we're whisked away in the back of that truck again and service that night was in this open field. We had a platform, it was a big pile of crushed coral. They'd taken a palm tree, cut it in half and slapped a piece of plywood on top and that was my pulpit. We had worship service and I was sitting on the front row, the front two rows is where the guests of honors got to seat and it was two big pieces of bamboo with uh, cinder blocks underneath them and then behind that was woven mats and everybody was sitting on those. After the worship service I was called up to the front and I preached my first sermon in the language of Bislama. It was about 10 to 15 minutes long. And they smiled. I don't know how much they understood because I was still putting the language together, but everybody was happy. <laughs> and I sat back down in about 15 minutes, and once again, I was repeating that prayer. Thank you, Lord, for stretching me. Thank you for helping me grow. Well, little did I know, the stretching had only just begun. I was sitting where this gentleman is sitting, and my missionary mentor was sitting right over here on the other side. And as I sat down, sitting there taking a deep breath. I look over at him and someone comes and taps him on the shoulder and whispers something in his ear. I see the color drain from his face and this is a guy that not much, not much rattles this guy. He's been in the islands for about 17, 15, 16, 17 years at this point. And so I'm, I'm a little concerned. And then he looks over at me and he says, get over here. So I come over and I said, yeah, what's the problem? He says, well, uh, there was a paramount chief here tonight and he, he liked what you said said, okay. He says, you know, a paramount chief, a chief of chiefs. said, oh, okay, well, what's the problem? He says, well, he wants to give you a gift. I said, okay. And as he says that, two big guys come from over here and they're dragging this huge pig uh, and the pig is screaming. Then this big guy comes from over here with a club. The pig's not screaming anymore and now it's in front of us. <laughs> then a group of women come out with these armfuls of potatoes and they pile them up. Another group of women come with these rolls of cloth and they pile it up. And I realize this is the gift. I also understand this is a shame culture, and that means if I cannot accept a gift, if I can't take all the gift, I could possibly embarrass or shame the person giving it. So I look at my mentor and I said, I understand, uh, I know we can't get the dead pig on the plane, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> and he looks back at me and says, uh, no, you missed it, look over there. And I look over there and I see this two and a half year old girl. Her face is getting painted and they're putting feathers in her hair. He says, that's the Paramount Chief's daughter. That's the gift. I looked back at him and said, what? He says, the chief is gonna give you his youngest daughter. He's expecting that tomorrow when you go home on the airplane that she's gonna come with you and that you're gonna adopt her and raise her. So when I look back at my mentor and I say, what do we do? He looks back and says, I have no idea. <laughs> so I said, we need to pray. He says, yes, we do. So we bow our heads, we pray. Uh, and then as soon as we're done, he says, I've got an idea. I've had a friend who's been in and out of this island for 15 years. Let me see if they've heard of this before. So he runs off to find cell phone reception. Meanwhile, I'm left standing in the front. And guys, things are getting real right now. 
Torches are getting lit on the sides. The guys that were on the front row, I've identified that that was the chief and the elders. They've taken their normal clothes off. They've put on this traditional garb. And there's this lady and she's standing next to me and she's trying to put these feathers in my hair, but my hair won't hold the feathers. So she's like grouching my head. And all I can think is I've only been on this island for three days and I'm gonna create some weird international incident and never be allowed back. How many people understand God goes before you? Amen. Well, my, my mentor came running back and he said, okay, we've got three options. I said, well, what are they? He says, other than just saying no, he says, and you need to understand, if you say no, it won't be a safe environment for your family to come back. He says, I said, well, what are the options? He said, well, the first one is you can just accept her. You can adopt her. You'll have to go through the formal adoption process with the government here and then our government. I said, I'm not opposed to that, but I think Lisa should be involved in that decision. It's all happening a bit fast. He says, yeah, I get that. I said, what's option number two? He says, well, option number two is you can arrange a marriage with one of your sons. <laughs> I said, okay, sorry, Terry. You're, you've got, we've arranged your marriage now. No, I said, okay, I'm not, I'm not ready for that decision either. What's option number three? He says, well, option number three is, and he says, you need to understand, if, this, if you go with this option, it's, it's not something you can go back on. He said, option number three is you allow the ceremony to take place, which means you and your wife will now be mother and father, and her biological parents would be aunt and uncle for the rest of her life. He said, so you allow the ceremony to take place, and if there's a, another chief present, and if he agrees to perform another ceremony, you can present her back to the chief, but you're saying, will you raise our daughter on our behalf? I said, let's go with that option. <laughs> Long story short, God was with us, and we gave her back and now we have a new daughter. Her name is Amy. Today she's six and a half years old and she's a beautiful, beautiful girl. Now, God's perspective is greater than ours. You see, I thought we just gained a new family that night. I thought we just gained a new daughter that night. But God goes before us. God prepares the way and he knows what we need way beyond what we do. Six months later, we're down on the island as a family. We've been ministering on the coast, and my wife looked at me and she says, it's time to take our ministry off the coast. It's time to go into the interior. So we had this plan because we knew in the interior, life is existing the way it's always been existing. They're still making fire by rubbing sticks together. The men have a small covering and nothing else. The women have grass skirts and nothing else, and life is just very simple and pure still. And so my plan was I was gonna trek in, build relationships, and then once I had those relationships, bring the family in and just see what open door God would create. And I'll never forget the first time I trekked into a custom community. I'd been walking all day. And in the middle of every custom community, they have this place where the ground is just packed solid. It is their meeting place. It is the Nakama. It's packed solid from years of ritual, years of meetings, and years of people just coming together. And every day in the afternoon, around someplace around 3.30 or 4 o'clock, it becomes a very sacred place where only men are allowed together. Well, I came, I came to this meeting place at about 4.15 in the afternoon, and as I walk in, I came to the boundary, and as I walked up to that boundary, a bunch of young men jumped up from where they were and stood in front of me. One of them had a club, one of them had a machete, and they made it very clear that I was not allowed to come in. So I'm standing there just praying, and there's a man that's sitting in the middle of the Nakamal back there with white hair, and he hears the commotion, he looks around the young men, and when he sees my face, his expression changes. He says, hey, move. He says, that's Paramount Chief Tom's brother. That's Amy's father. He comes over and he grabs my hand and he leads me into the center of the community. He has me sit down 
on a stump. He puts his hand on my shoulder. He says, this man is one of us. He has a voice in this community. You need to understand the significance of this. These, these communities, they block three things. They block education, they block medicine, and they block any outside religion. And see, what happened that instant is God did in an instant what I would have tried for a lifetime with my great plans and my great strategies. God requires our obedience. He does not require for us to have it figured out. He just requires that we obey. And sometimes that obedience is ugly, sometimes it's messy, but when we obey, we're gonna find that he has gone before us. There's a promise in Deuteronomy 31, verse eight. And it says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. It doesn't matter where you are in your life right now. Your heavenly father has gone before you. When you surrender, you'll be right back on track. And you're gonna find out that he's there for whatever help you need, for your marriage, for your life, for your relationships, for your business. He's there to help you succeed in what he's called you to do. I've got one story that we're gonna close our time with, and this comes from the side of the island known as White Sands. And this is the side of the island where nothing is white because the volcano is erupting. <laughs> Every five minutes, there's just ash falling and it's, it's completely covered. We'd been trekking for several days, and this is hot season. It gets hot here, but we get to come into air conditioning. There's no air conditioning. And uh, just giving you an idea of what I was experiencing, I'd been trekking, and this was the fourth day, and I, my water bottle's on the edge of my backpack, and I reached back to grab it, and I missed my water bottle. Just grabbed the outside of my backpack, and it squished like a washcloth. Like, oh man, I'm wringing out water. And I thought, shoot, I've got a hole in my water bottle, and finding water is, is hard on the island. So I quickly take my backpack off and I look at my water bottle, but there's no hole. I realize I've sweated through the entire contents of my backpack. I'm just painting a, a nasty picture here, but I want you to understand, I've been sleeping on the ground, I need a shower, I wanna sleep on a mattress, I wanna get home and see my beautiful wife, and so I'm ready. And God has done beautiful things on this track already. I, there's a short video you're gonna see in a minute that was taken from a GoPro camera, and you'll see how God opened up a door through a shaman in a community asking me to pray. And then we had another open door just meeting with some village elders on the road, so I was satisfied. So I looked at the pastor with me, and I said, Pastor, if we go down this mountain, we'll cross the river, and once we cross that river, we'll come to the main trail, and I know we can get back to our truck, and by this evening, we'll be both back at our villages. How does that sound? He says, that sounds great. So we started down the mountain, and when we crossed the river, I saw this small trail coming out of the mountain, and I didn't think anything of it until my foot hit the intersection. And then the Holy Spirit said, one more hill. <laughs> Just being honest, I didn't wanna go back up that trail. I was ready to go home. Uh, and so I looked at Pastor David, who's with me, and I said, Pastor, do you know where this trail goes? I was really hoping he would say, ah, it just dead ends up there. There's no, nothing there. He says, no, missionary, I've never been up that trail. I said, well, I think God wants us to go back up there. He says, okay, let's do it. And one more hill led into an entire afternoon of trekking back up into this mountain. And as we came to the end of this trail, it dead ended in this small community. Please watch this video so you can see how God had gone before us that day.
Praise God. What, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. What this video does not tell you is, is when I came into the man's hut, he grabbed his leg. And many of you probably noticed on the video, he had an injury on his leg. In fact, when I walked into his hut, I could see the bone sticking through the skin. And I thought, oh, that's why we're here. We have to get him help. But as my eyes got adjusted to the darkness, I realized that the skin had healed around this injury. And you could see where they had taken a file and filed the bone down. And I realized this was a very old injury. But as he was telling of his dream and how he'd heard God's voice and how he knew we were coming, he grabbed his leg and he said, he said, when, when I was a young man in the age he described was 15 or 16, he said, my brother and I were standing on a cliff and we had to jump. They were running away from something. He said, when we jumped, my brother cried out to the ancestors. He said, I cried out to the God above. My, my brother died immediately and I was saved. He said, since that day, I promised the God who saved me that whenever someone came to my village who knew the God that saved me, that I would ask them to stand up a house, a church, to that God, so that my people might know about the God who saves. You see, when I met this man, he was in his 70s. He'd been waiting for over 50 years for someone who believed in the God who has saved. There are people all around the world that are waiting right now, right now, for someone who believes in the God that it saves. Thank you for partnering with missions. It's time for us to send. It's time for us to be sent. It's time for us to do our part. Thank you so much. Praise God. Why don't we give a hand to the Lord one more time for the ministry of Sam and Lisa. This is why we give to missions. We have 842 other missionary families just like them. Earlier in the service, we asked you to complete a faith promise card. We asked you to wait until the Holy Spirit would tell you what amount to go ahead and put down. So in the next couple of minutes, we're just going to go to the Lord and, and worship. We're going to have a special ensemble. And during the time that they minister in music, you go ahead and complete the card. Those watching us online, you go ahead and go to mymissionspromise.com and complete it there. Those watching us on the other campuses, that's when you're going to take the time and really complete it. We take this very seriously. It's not like, oh, are you going to fill out that card? And like, yeah, I don't know. Don't wait somebody else to do something about it. Let's all do something about it. Amen. So enjoy this special song. Listen to the voice of God. Complete the card. And then Pastor Kyle is going to come with some final instructions.
You spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. Jumasune, sumano no jugate onako. You should take thine hands and up the vast to shoot. Jeder Stern, der strahlt ein Zeichen deiner Gunst. Wenn der Schopfen dir dein Lob singt, dann ausschließt. Yo crié en silence ma fête 
por mi corazón Allá en el Calvario En la oscuridad La luz de este mundo murió And as you speak A hundred billion failures disappear Where you lost your life so I could find it here If you left the grave behind you so light I can see your heart in incredible song you can be seated please everyone all over the building please give us a few more minutes thank you so very much please now is certainly not the time to slip out so thank you what an incredible song what an incredible story thank you Sam and Lisa and your family um, and all our other missionaries that are with us this weekend, thank you so much for all you do and, and all you are to the kingdom. Missionaries are certainly our heroes. In just a moment, we're going to be taking those cards and putting them in the offering along with our offering. And I know many of you give online. And and so I want to encourage you to, to do that. But first of all, ushers, help us take some of these cards, not the offering yet, but just take some of these cards, walk down the aisle. And if you have not received a card for whatever reason, just slip your hand up. Let them give you one. Be a part of this. We want everybody that calls this their church home to be a part of this monthly missions giving that goes toward the 840 missionaries we support. So just lift your hand. Or if you filled one out last weekend and you feel like God's stirring your heart to do more, then take one and just mark it increase so we'll know not to count it twice. We're not going to send you a bill. We may send you a reminder. We may even send you an update. Certainly not going to send you a bill. This is between you and God. 
this card represents that village chief waiting 50 years and a missionary comes. They are there because people help send them. Churches just like ours help send them to a man that's been waiting 50 years. Wednesday night, we heard about Martha, a lady in the Ukraine that uh, was far from God and cursed and swore and just mean and how a local church had people reach out to her 90 something years old 90 something years she had waited and someone reached out to her and I think they said 13 days later she passed away let me tell you what that card represents or this card there at Red Bug Lake and at Michigan Street let me tell you and remind you what this card represents it represents the Marthas. We are reaching and snatching from the gates of hell and ushering them into the kingdom of God. That's what it represents. It represents a village chief waiting 50 years for someone to fill one of these out and support a missionary that said, I will go. So when you take these cards today, I hope you won't take them lightly because literally, We've come to snatch as many out of the grasp of hell as we possibly can. And so that's why we're reaching out not just to Orlando, but we're reaching out to the world. Ushers, help us. And we're going to give you an opportunity to put these cards in the offering. And also, listen, these missionaries... Uh, it would be a shame for them to come to our church and share and be here and us to not bless them with an offering to send them on their way uh, to do ministry, to buy things of necessity. And, and so thank you for what you're about to do. The need this weekend is some $15,000 plus to cover the offerings of all the ones that are with us. And, and so I want to thank you in advance. Uh, do something on your part to be a blessing at this moment in our church life. The normal monthly missions offering is to keep those 840 on the field that have monthly expenses just like you and I, but they're in a place where their job, their work, their ministry is working for the kingdom of God. So God bless you. Go right ahead. Ushers, serve us. And uh, thank you so very much in advance for what you are doing. If you'll just remain steady for another couple minutes, we, we're finishing early today, all right? So give us uh, just two or three more minutes and uh, let us receive this offering and cards before anybody starts moving. And uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you in advance. This is one of the most special days of the year for our church when we make a commitment to say people are saying yes then we cannot say no to help sending them on their way we either go or we help send them who are going or we walk in a measure of disobedience and so I pray to God that you would say yes we're going to send those who have said yes to the will of God and uh, already we're over the 500,000 mark in monthly missions giving, but it's, uh, uh, we thank God for that.
and uh, I don't know how long it's going to be, but the day's going to arrive that we're going to be supporting a thousand missionaries, and that's to the glory of God. And uh, this year, by God's grace, we're going to be looking at giving $2,000, including our missions trips and our missions support, $2 million, I meant to say, $2 million this year, hopefully, by God's help and grace. So you made it happen. Thank you for that. Now, if everyone will, please bow your heads with us all over the building. Please, no one moving and bow your heads with us, please. There at the Michigan Street campus, the Red Bug Lake campus, even possibly there are those online that are watching today that don't know Christ. There are those possibly out in the atrium that don't know Christ. Now, I, I understand something about you. First of all, you no doubt believe in God in your mind, or you wouldn't even be watching or listening. But you don't have a relationship with him. You've not said, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. You've not repented. And you're doing your own thing and going your own way. And you risk eternity as a result. God forbid that you die, but people are going to die this week. God forbid you be one of them. But if you were to be one of them, where would you go? And right now, as you sit or listen, you're not ready to go to heaven. So I want to challenge at all three campuses in the atrium online, I want to challenge you. If that's you, I want you to say yes to God. And right here in the auditorium and at the campuses, why don't you just lift your hand? Just lift it up. Do it right now. God bless you. Others, God bless you. Others, you, you need Christ. You're not ready to go to heaven. Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? God speaking to your heart. The Holy Spirit of God that spoke to Sam on a, a remote island and said, Oh, stop this trail. Take it. There's a man up there. There's villages up there. The same Holy Spirit that stopped him on that trail is the same Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now to take this trail. To take the move toward Christ. Anybody else? Anyone else? Anyone else? There at the campuses, lift your hand. You need Christ. Here, lift your hand. You need Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, touch, Lord God, each and every person that has said yes to your Spirit's call. I ask you, oh Lord God, to help them to turn to you with our, their whole heart, soul, and mind and strength. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Stand with us, please, all over the building. And uh, there are the campuses and uh, out in the atrium. Pastor John is going to lead us in a chorus. Those of you that raised your hand, you need Christ. I want to challenge you. Don't wait another day. Don't make an excuse. Don't put it off. Don't let someone influence you that's here today. No. If God's spoken to you, here's the trail you need to take, then I want to challenge you. Slip into that aisle. Make your way to this short journey, all right? Come to this altar. Let us pray with you before you leave this building. And maybe, 
Maybe you're one of those that God's speaking to and calling to the mission field, either on a temporary basis or a full-time basis. And if that's you or you have some other need, why don't you make your way to the altar? We're going to pray with you. But especially those of you that need Christ, make your way here to this front. Would you do it right now? Lead us, Pastor John. Jesus. So you raise your hand. Slip out and come. You raise your hand, slip out and come. Jesus, my God, yes. Yes. So step out. You need Christ. You need God. Don't put it off. Why are you waiting? Why wait? Make your way here. Jesus, my God. In Jesus' name. My God, in Jesus' name. My God, in Jesus' name. My God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, God, these altars are still open for prayer. I want to go ahead and say this. Um, we're going to pray for these at this front, and I'm going, I thank those of you that didn't move. I want to just thank you for being um, Christ-like enough to just remain standing. And uh, I'm praying God would just send conviction on everybody that walked out of this building before they should have. And so uh, I love them, but this can be very disruptive at a, at a personal time. And so thank you for standing there praying with us. Slip your hand in this direction. Pastor John's going to lead us in prayer. God bless each and every one of you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for speaking to our hearts today. Thank you so much for what you're doing in this room right now, for those that have come to these altars, for what you're doing over our broadcast, for those that are reaching out to you, Lord God. We thank you for those that have made a commitment today for the first time to serve you with their lives, to give their lives to you and allow you to lead them. I pray that your grace will be upon them, Lord God, to live very successful lives in you, Lord God. I pray that you'd help them grow, help them continue to walk in the blessings and favor of you, Lord, in Jesus' Jesus name and for those all over this room under the sound of my voice God that are answering the call Lord God that whatever you want from us wherever you want us to go whatever you want us to do Lord we're open to that I pray in Jesus name that your supernatural power would rest on every life God I pray that as we answer your call in every area of our lives Lord that your peace that surpasses understanding would guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus I pray that your joy unspeakable and full of glory Lord God would work in every life and I I pray that your supernatural provision would be on every life, Lord God, to do what you've called them to do. We honor you, we thank you, and we walk in your favor and grace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. We love you so much and hope to see you again very soon. God bless.